Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you, Tash. Thanks so much. <clears throat> we should pray for Tash too because um, keep praying for her because her baby is due in about a week or 10 days or something like that. So hopefully not this morning. But um, any midwives just be in the ready. But uh, um, no stopping Tash. There's not <clears throat> Thank you so much. Yeah, we're in our journey of life rhythms. Um, <clears throat> the worship was beautiful this morning. I just sensed the presence of God so powerfully. And uh, it's lovely just to come and uh, get your heart sorted out, isn't it? Get filled with the presence of God. Hope you're <clears throat> enjoying this little mini-series. We're in the third, well, it's actually the fourth morning if you count the introduction. Um, this is the third in the little quadrant that we've been doing. I'm going to talk to you about mission and work. I spoke to you about prayer and abiding. Dave talked to you about family and relationships, and I'm going to talk to you around mission and work. And so what I want to do is focus how <clears throat> all of us are are created in a unique way to reflect the glory of God. And um, and that means wherever he has placed us, sometimes we're in, we, we, we segregate um, secular from sacred. I don't know how that happened, but we tend to think if somebody's going to Bible school, we bring them up and pray for them and lay hands on them and think that's great. Even though they're going to be out of all sort of domain of evangelism for the next five years or whatever, <laughs> And then somebody's going to be an architect or an engineer or, or, or just going to a trade or whatever. <clears throat> and we never think of actually laying hands and praying for them when they're going out into the marketplace, out to prepare and talk to people. So there is no difference between sacred and secular. We're all called to a sacred work. All of us as believers are called to a sacred work. And that's wherever God has placed you. We can honor God wherever he has placed us. And one of our key practices along the wall, the second one here is creativity, my left, your right. And um, of course, Psalm 139 reminds us that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. God has designed us, we're created by God to uniquely display his beauty. This is the original design. This is what God intended from the beginning. And uh, I love what Eugene Peterson says. Eugene Peterson says that, each of us are splendid, never to be repeated stories of grace. I love that. Never splendid, never to be repeated stories of grace. There is no one else like you. You are unique. All right. So you could turn to the person beside you and tell them if you know them well, you are unique, and they're going to love you for that. You are unique. All right. Never to be repeated, stories of grace. Some of you are thinking to the person beside you, I'm glad it's never going to be repeated. But uh, um, <laughs> through new life in Jesus, we can fulfill the good works God has prepared for us. That's what God has done, what we're born for. I love this verse. You know that I love the book of Ephesians anyway, but I love this verse. I love it in Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship. 
and were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So long before you were born, if you go to Ephesians 1, 4, it actually says that you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So before you were ever born, God created the works that you should walk in. Do you ever think that maybe the vocation or the calling that you're in was called of God, that that God called you to be what you are right now, businessman, businesswoman, school teacher, those that are stacking the shelves in Tesco's, tradesman, tradeswoman, whatever you are, whatever you are, housewife, mother, father, grandfather, um, retired, God has called you to be in the vocation that you are in right now. I love that word um, workmanship because it's the word peoma, peoma, I think that's how you pronounce it in Greek, and it means work of art. It's the word for poem where we get our word poem from, that God has almost like wrote a poem over your life. One of my good friends who's now an elder in Portadown, Emmanuel, is um, Keith, and Keith McCollum and Keith and Sharon are elders in Portadown, and Keith a few years ago started to write poetry, and he's been sending me some of his poetry, and it is stunning. He sent me a, uh, we, we were to meet for coffee this week, and he tested positive with a lateral flow. He's a doctor, and so he has to do a lateral flow every day, and he tested positive, so we couldn't meet on Wednesday, so instead of us meeting, he wrote me a poem. It was the most beautiful thing. I just sat and wept when I, I read it. We couldn't get a coffee, so he wrote me a poem. Um, so this is the powerful thing that God has called us into these places, and we don't often acknowledge the creativity of Jesus, um, of his life and ministry, but he expressed the glory of God in a host of creative ways. He was always telling stories, parables we call them, earthly stories with a heavenly meeting. He was doing miracles. He was having these conversations with all kinds of people. He was constantly calling people into their creative destiny. For instance, fishermen, he told, would be fishers of men. Um, he was brilliant at that. Simon, he changed his name to Cephas or Peter, which means Rocky. We, would, we could call him Rocky or Rock. Um, and each of us have been entrusted with a creative contribution on God's earth um, in our own unique way. And when Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, in Colossae, this is what he said. He said, whatever you do, and I think we could add without bending the scriptures, wherever you're placed, do it in the name of the Lord. Do it in the name of the Lord. So whatever sphere of influence you're called to in this season of life, whether it's business, arts, education, health, parenting, etc., etc., you need to see it. Your vocation should be your worshipful, worshipful response to the creative and unique talents and abilities that God has placed in you, that you're not shoving that talent that God gives you in under something, hiding it until he comes back. That's what the guy did in Matthew's gospel, but that's not what you're to do. What I want to do this morning is get you to think about how you could focus your life missionally this year. And at the end, we're going to give you five minutes to work in your quadrant to maybe if you haven't already done this, to think of your sphere of influence um, that you find yourself in and how to develop that for the glory of God. Now, I'm going to read a lengthy, well, it's not that lengthy, it's eight verses, and I'm going to put it on the screen, and I'm going to read it relatively slowly because I want you to get it, all right? It's in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 20, and I'm going to read it from the NIV Bible, and I'd love you to follow along really carefully because it's a very powerful piece of Scripture. Here we go. Um, just as the body, though one, has many parts, 
but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot would say, this sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And he says, if the ear, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And in fact, God has placed the parts of the body. This is so important. In fact, he's emphasizing this. He's saying God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Do you ever think that where you are right now, that you have been set there by God, just he's placed you just where he wanted you to be? And if there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment... But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And then he finishes that little section with this. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Lisa, or Amy and Debbie are sitting in the back row, and I know rightly what they're doing right now. They're thinking of a little song that we used to sing when they were small. Um, I am the eye, I go blink, blink. But um, we'll not, we not do that for you. We'll, we'll spare you from that. But we used to sing this in the car all the time. We all had a little part. Um, one of Salty's great songs, if those of you are a little older and remember Salty. But um, so this is really important, and we'll go back to that in a moment or two. Um, now, um, Dr. Martin Luther King, who was assassinated on the 4th of April, 1964, about one minute past six our time, um, was an incredible man. And whether you fully agreed with everything he said or not, he captivated America, if not the whole world at that time. And people who weren't his fans even resonate with his incredible speeches and his idea of being a dreamer. And his com- communication skills were pretty amazing. And when he spoke those powerful words, I have a dream, he caught the world. And I love to study great communicators and ask the question, what made them so good? And um, there are many things that I have discovered about Dr. Martin Luther King, but one thing sticks out in Dr. King's life. He knew how to get us. He knew how to get us. He knew how to get around people. And here's how he did it. He used our kids and he used his own. One of the things he said was, I have a dream that my four little children would one day live in a nation where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, using his kids. And I don't care who you are. If you talk about my kids, you've got me. If you say anything bad about me, I'll 
give you grace. If you say anything bad about them, you'll maybe see a little bit of a different animal. That's just the way we are. Um, and um, he, he, King was talking about generations to come. He was, he was talking about making something better for our future generations. Uh, and why uh, we, 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 we maybe asked the question, why is, is diversity such a big deal? Why do we make such a big deal that everybody's different? And um, Well, that, that's a good question. Well, number one was I, I tried to read our passage as slowly as I could that you'd get it because here's why I think diversity is such a big deal. The Bible makes it a big deal. The Bible actually makes it a big deal. We are all different. You could look at the person beside you like you've done before and say, you're different than me. And they are different. Everybody is different. We're all, just take a wee peep at the person beside you and go, huh? <laughs> um, and uh, we're all different, all of us different. And that's the first thing, the Bible makes a big deal of it. And the second thing I'd say to you this morning is probably a little bit of confession, but some of us do this for our kids. We do it for our kids. We, we do it for our kids and now for their kids, for my grandkids and not just mine, but for yours. Our kids' programs right now are jam-packed with kids I'm thinking of people like David and Rosemary Edwards who come to church here. I'm not that sure if they're here this morning or they'll be here in the second service, who've given their life to the next generation, the generation to come with CEF. And so there's something about this. There's something about, um, there's something about community. And so what I'd love to do, I'd love to talk to you about this big subject, the timeless rhythm of community. The timeless rhythm of community. So that when our kids or grandkids go up, they don't have to fight for it. This is what Martin King was doing. He was trying to get something that when his kids grew up, they wouldn't have to fight for it. They could live in it and be it. And one of the things that we've done in Emmanuel is do something for our kids and for our grandkids that whenever they grow up, they don't have to fight for this. They get to be it. They get to live in it. And so there's something about that. So what we're going to do, because community is vital to the existence of any church, and it's vital to the existence of our church. That's why life rhythms are so important. That's why life groups are so important. That's why friendships are so important, because community is vital to our existence. So what I want to do, I want to think about spheres of influence. I want you to think in your mission what are your spheres of influence? Now, I had a friend who lost a leg in an accident. I've told you this story before, and um, his children were all very young. He had loads of daughters, and then he had sons. He had, he had actually um, eight daughters and then two sons. And, uh, um, and uh, his, when, his son was, when his first son was born, he had an accident. Him and I were really good friends, and he had an accident, and he lost his leg. And they give him an artificial leg. Now, the artificial leg was really good, but he limped. He had a limp. And, um, so he, and he, he had a quite significant limp. And he would walk. Back then, the knee didn't bend. And so he'd walk like this here without his knee bending. And um, he, uh, when this little boy began to walk, he said to me, Phil, it's the weirdest thing. When his little boy started to walk, he said, he noticed their little boy was walking across the living room like this here. So they had a bit of work to do there. And what, what, what had happened was the little boy had just watched the best model he knew. He'd watched the person who modeled life for him. And so he would talk like he talked. He would think like he thought. He would do what he'd done. Because we all know kids don't do what we say. They do what we do. And so he started to walk like his dad. 
And I fear that the church has so many disabled models that instead of the church leaping, it's limping. I feel that the church across the world today has lost its sense of community and it's limping because it's looking at different models instead of looking at the scriptures, instead of looking at the model. It's looking at strategies. It's looking at the how-tos. It's looking at how to break this barrier and how to break that barrier instead of looking at the acts of the apostles and seeing exactly what the early church really done. And so it's limping instead of leaping. And so there's something about... um, helping us see what's going on in the world today. So, for instance, the population of the world today is currently about 7.9 billion. The year I was born, 1958, there was 2.5 billion people on planet Earth. That's only 63, 64 years ago, and there was 2.5 billion. Now, it's three times that, all right? Go back to, I've told you this before, go back to the 1900, just as we turn 1900, there was about a billion people alive on planet Earth. So you can see what has happened in the last 120 years. The world has blown out of all proportion. Now, when you take that, when you take the deaths, if you go on to the world clock population, when you take the births and the deaths, the average growth of the world at the minute is around 82 million people per year. That's how the world is growing at the minute. That breaks down to in around 7 million per month. And uh, that's just over 1.5 million people per week, which is around 250,000 per day. So when you go to bed today, when you go to bed tonight, a quarter of a million people will have been born. When you take the death and the birth averages, the world will have grown by around a quarter of a million people. Pretty stunning, isn't it? And when you look at those facts, what what happens is you begin to ask big questions like, where do I begin? With facts like that, where do I begin? What is the priority? Who is this message for? Well, again, without going to strategies and structures, we can go straight to the Bible. The message is for everyone, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so growth doesn't happen by addition, adding one unit to another. Living cells multiply. The world is multiplying. It's not just adding one upon one. It is multiplying, and that's what living cells do. And when a new cell is produced, it always has the ability to reproduce. We've even seen that with the virus. It it multiplies. It doesn't add. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to know. When God adds, Satan subtracts. But when God multiplies, Satan divides. And he is the great divider. And so what he's tried to do, he's tried to divide people. He's tried to divide people through this pandemic, for sure. He's tried to divide people in the church and some people. And this hour, probably in around 10 to 11 o'clock, is the most segregated hour in the world. In the world. Because people go this way and people go that way and some people don't go anywhere. And so there's this mass segregation. And so we've got to figure out, what do we do? How do we get around this? Because the process always involves telling others. The process of evangelism always is through your mouth. It's it's your actions as well. But it's first and foremost by telling. When you look at the early church, there's this guy called Ananias. And Ananias is a faithful guy. Paul was Saul of Tarsus, and he's killing people all over the place. God meets him on the Damascus Road, 
and blinds him. And for three days, Saul is sort of running about in the dark blind. God speaks to a godly guy called Ananias. And he says, I want you to go down to a street called Straight. And in a house there, tells him the very house, there's a guy, Saul of Tarsus. And I want you to lay hands on him and touch him. Ananias said, God, seriously? That's the murderer. That's the guy who's been killing Christians. You want me to go lay hands on him? But he does it, and he goes, and he prays for Paul. The scales fall off Paul's eyes. Paul becomes one of the greatest church planters in the New Testament. Pretty incredible. He raises up a young guy called Timothy, and in 2 Timothy 2.2, that's easy to remember, 2 Timothy 2.2, Timothy tells it to others and instructs them to tell others. So Ananias prays for Paul. Paul tells Timothy. Timothy tells others and tells them to go and tell others. That's the gospel. That's the way the gospel works. And so what I want to do, go back to our spheres of influence. I want to talk to you about three spheres of influence really quickly um, because I want, excuse me, I want to give you five minutes at the end. I want to think for a minute or two about your existing network. All of you tomorrow morning will go somewhere. You'll maybe be at home with your kids or whatever, but you'll, you'll be doing something. Leaving your kids to school, meeting parents at the gate, going to your workplace. I don't know. I don't know where you'll go. Maybe going for a walk, going to a coffee shop. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe you'll meet a walking group. I don't know what you'll do tomorrow morning, but you'll probably be around people. Here's a great passage. Now, bear with me. I know it's lengthy, and I wanted to put it in one page, but let me read it to you if, you, if it's too small to see. Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That's evangelism. He says, I've found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Alpha. Amazing, isn't it? The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Um, Bethesda. Now, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, uh, uh, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus calls Andrew, who is a fisherman, who in turn spoke out and told his brother Peter, who just happens also to be a fisherman. He didn't take him out to McDonald's. He didn't try to conjure up that awkward moment to invite him to Alpha. He didn't do that. He just, he just told him at work. They're sitting in the boat together. They're working together. And he says, oh, here, we're going to tell you. I met somebody yesterday that I think you need to meet. His name's Jesus. I think he's the one. I think this is it. Each of us have five to seven networks that we're in. Most people, they reckon, on average, have five to seven networks, spheres of influence that they're in, like family, school, work, community, neighbors, recreation, hobbies, etc. Maybe more. All of us have a sphere of influence. So your existing network is a good place to start, good place to think in the morning where to start. Let me talk to you about our families, all right, existing them. Let me talk to you about our families. Do you know that there's more said about the family in the Bible than any other institution? The family is one of the most important things in the Scriptures. Listen to Rahab's appeal to the spies. This was a prostitute woman who helped the spies. And she says, she says now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Goes on to say why. But just, just she wants... She wants to make sure her family's okay. 
And she's saying to these spies, will you look after my father? Listen to what Joshua says. Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And he goes on about these other gods. And then he says, see it bold. But as for me and my family, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. On and on we could go. Listen to Jesus as he speaks to a wee man called Zacchaeus who climbed up into a tree to see him. He said, today salvation has come to your home. Come to this house. Something powerful. Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. I could go on today, but listen, here's a list. Here's a list for you. All of these people got saved and their families. All of these people, and there's just a few. But these, these, these were families that were impacted by a decision. These were families and people in this room, fathers, mothers, grandparents, listen, who come here now with their grandkids, all because someone in your family line asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I don't know for me, but for me, I often think it was my great granda. He was in his 30s. He was in his 30s and God spoke to him and he gave his life to Jesus. And he was a firebrand. He, he walked every, every Sunday. He walked every Sunday to, to Lurgan because there was no gospel hall in Ardmore. And he would walk in the snow. They tell, they tell us, the, the story goes, that one really snowy morning, the snow was deep, and somebody said, George won't be at church this morning. He walked the five, six miles on a Sunday morning, stayed with somebody for the dinner, went to the evening meeting, and then walked home every Sunday. Did it for years. And on a snowy morning, they said, well, George won't make it this morning. And they were sitting in the morning meeting. They heard the thump. George was kicking his boots against the wall to get the snow off them. And then he come. Some of, all of us are here because someone in our family asked that question and, 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 and salvation came to your house. And there are so many people out there in our existing networks. There are people in our family who still don't know Jesus. So we've got our existing families, we've got our, got our existing networks, we've got our families, and then we've got the unreached. Do you know that the unreached, the Bible says that the gospel should be in every tribe and language and people and nation. And while it is in every country in the world at this moment in time, it hasn't affected every tribe and every nation really. All right, there's loads of tribes. And Jesus' word for tribe was the word ethne. That's the Greek word where we get our word ethnic from. And a, 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 a people group is a, a people group is here, a significantly large group of individuals who have a common bond to one another, maybe language, culture, customs, or maybe just geographic location. And here's the thing, there's 19,000 of them in the world. 19,000 identified people groups. Google's great, isn't it? Some with as few as 3,000, but some such as Indonesia with as many as 30 million. Pakistan is 176 million. India has 157 million people. Five of the major on-reach groups are Muslims, Chinese, Hindus, and Buddhists, and tribal people. Pretty incredible. I love how Paul talks about this. Paul says in Romans 15 about not building on another man's foundation. All right, so it's been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. I love that about Paul. So to not be building in anyone else's foundation. How are we going to do it? Well, simply, here's how we're going to do it. We need to pray like we've never prayed before. 
Tash talked about the prayer meeting. It's not just another meeting. There is something about coming together as a corporate people to pray. See, it says, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. The harvest plentiful, but the workers are few. What do we need to do? Get on your knees. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send the workers into the harvest field. We need to pray. We need to make it a priority. Today we invite. The early church invaded. There was, there was something offensive about it. They took the Great Commission seriously. Evangelism isn't something we do. It's who we are. It's part of our DNA. You cannot be a believer and not tell people about Jesus and then those of you who have been buried a little while will remember this. We did this little series. Who does it? Everybody does it. Jesus says when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will, everybody, everyone will be a witness here unto the ends of the earth. Where do we do or when do we do it? Well, we do it every day, day after day, day after day. The temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming. This is how the early church expanded at such a powerful rate. And where did they do it? Well, they did it everywhere. The disciples just preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed it by signs and wonders. You say, Phil, back to how do we do it? Well, you just need to follow Jesus' six-point plan. (laughs) It's a very simple plan, really. It's found in uh, Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's prophesied from Isaiah 61 because he's anointed me to do six things. Preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captives. Sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's all we've got to do. It's not rocket science, really. It's, it's a simple book for simple people. Don't overcomplicate it. Just do it. Just talk about it. Our time's gone. It's 25 past. Little quadrants here. Um, I'm going to give you five minutes if you need one of the little sheets. If you put your hand up, the guys are at the back there with a, a page and pen, or if you want to do it on your phone. Um, next week, as Dave concludes this, we'll allow you to collate all the four boxes together. So if you want one of the little hard copies, just pop your hand up. The boys are waiting at the back there with a pen and one of them. And I'd love you just to look at that mission and work box and think about who, how you could influence your world that you live in this week and this year. Now, to help you a little bit, um, my, 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 my little quadrant looks a bit like this, if it helps you a little bit. I continue to love my family with all of my heart, my kids, my grandkids, just to see them grow and have a passion for Jesus is my greatest desire in life. And uh, lovely to watch that happen. I want to develop relationships with my neighbors and non-Christian friends. Alpha's coming up, which is a great tool. I uh, want to keep looking for significant opportunities when I meet people. That could be in a coffee shop or where you buy your morning paper or your petrol, I don't know, and for me, writing is in my, there's some books in me that I know I'd love to write, and they're in me, and um, I just have never had the time to write them, but I'm at that season of life now where that is jumping high in my Richter scale, Um, and I just want to concentrate and continue 
time and all the energy I have with the people of this church and into its development and growth. And those are my, that's my mission. That's my mission this year. That's my mission, what I want to give myself to. Yours will probably look a little bit different than that. That's just to give you a little heads up. So five minutes, and then I'll pray, and I'll let you go. So let's take five minutes. Uh, Judith's going to come up and play for us while we do that. And um, as Judith prays, the anointing the Holy Spirit is going to come down. No pressure or anything, Judith. <laughs> so um, it's great to have some music as we do that. So let's, let's, let's do that. Let's get to work. You might want to do that on your phone your little note section and then you can compile this all next week into the into the main one or if you want a hard copy pop your hand up and the guys will give you one so five minutes
Good. An old mentor of mine said one time, I've told you this many, many times, some of you have heard it, I'm sure many times, but um, not to write down what I say, but write down what I make you think. <laughs> and um, if, if in this series we can do that, make you think a little bit, that's why we're doing the five minutes. I know some of you are doing that quietly in your own selves, but it's just good to think, isn't it? And um, think about where you are placed at this moment in time. What is your contribution to society? Who can you influence? Who can you change in your sphere of influence to bring glory to God? Some of you are doing that really well. Some of you are saying, oh, man, I never thought of it like that. I thought when you left church, you sort of left that all behind. (laughs) Secular, sacred, no division. As a believer, as a son, as a daughter of God, you are in a sacred work no matter what you do. If that's emptying bins or stacking shelves in Tesco's or running a business or whatever you do, salesman, saleswoman, I don't know, whatever it is, you're doing that for the glory of God and you're called in that remit. So God, I pray this morning that you challenge all of our hearts as we conclude this morning. Thank you for those who have joined us online. We pray, God, that you would challenge our hearts as we go into our workplaces or wherever tomorrow we begin to spheres of influence into that community that we gather in, Lord, that you would help us to be shining lights, help us to be salt and light, salt that is expended, salt is thrown out, you can't take it back, that's the salt. Light is, come and see, come and see. So you tell people, you throw it out, then it's their responsibility, and you say, come and see. Alpha coming up in the end of January, great too. If you have someone at work or someone that you'd like to bring, that would be great. So Lord, bless our word, bless every family, bless each spheres of influence that they find themselves in. May they leave this place today feeling encouraged and uplifted in the vocation in which they're called, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, bless you. Have a great afternoon. Um, And I'll see you soon. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.